Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing the first book in the Heroes of Olympus series, The Lost Hero. How are you doing today, Jane? Uh, I'm I'm mostly all right. I, I'm, I'm ready to talk about these chapters. I'm excited. I'm slightly concerned. The, the gravity does appear to be a little bit fucked. We're in, a, we're in a low gravity environment. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. It it kind of feels like. Now wait a second, Jane. I think our recording space got moved. We got fucking shifted and then rammed immediately through a celestial body. Yeah. Uh, are we? Were we shot through the moon? We were. We were indeed blasted through the entire moon. Are what is this long-winded metaphor that we're saying? <laughs> Uh, this extremely stupid run-up, which I'm sure has many of our listeners thinking, oh, fuck, did they get on a crypto thing? Uh, we didn't. Uh, we're now part of a podcast network. Yeah, the Moonshot Network. We are incredibly excited to join them. This won't mean, like, a huge lot for you, the listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, except, you know, the occasional shout-outs for our, our network and the shows that are on it. I will have to take down the bonus episodes where I called them Moonshit. I thought we edited that out. <laughs> <laughs> you did edit it out. I didn't. Oh gosh, oh Jane. <laughs> well, listen, it's it's affectionate. It's affectionate. Also, you can edit this better if you want to. No, it's funny. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I'm doing all right today too. You know, I'm fucking exhausted because today is Friday, eight fifty three p.m. Oh God, okay, Tw- three hours away from midnight. We are, I, and I just got back from like a week long road trip across the country and I'm fucking exhausted. So, you You're know, in let's. Perfect l- condition to talk about this book. Yeah, let's do our best here. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're, we're both running at about, I would say about 50% at the minute. It's about 2 a.m. for me. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, I think that's fine. I think it's fine to make you podcast at 2 a.m. It's like we're, we're fucked up from like moon jet lag or something. Yeah, we can say that, I guess. Uh, should we should we read these summaries that we that you've prepared? I shall do that. So, chapter thirteen. Jason. Jason has a dream about some wolves. He's in a crumbling house in a forest full of Canadian redwoods, where the wolves lead him to Looper, their mother. Jason finds the place familiar, and Looper tells him that he began his journey here when he was a pup. There's a pool full of mist which pulls back to reveal two spires, one of which is a cage which contains Hera. The other is less clear, but is pushing its way out of the earth gradually. Looper tells Jason that this site is where the enemy has chosen to awaken her son, the Giant King, and that Hera dying will set this off. The wolf tells Jason that he is their saving grace, and the dream ends. Chapter 14. Jason. He wakes up in cabin one with a huge statue of Zeus overlooking him. Jason thinks that he looks a bit like a hippie and in fact can't find much of a resemblance between the statue and himself at all. He thinks back to Piper being claimed by Aphrodite and everyone immediately fawning over her and reflects on how he feels as if uh, people treated him the same way uh, because they value Zeus more than they value him. After this happened, Jason formally invited Piper on the quest. Uh, and he, in the present, thinks about going for a walk, when he notices that there's another bed set up in the cabin in one of the alcoves. 
It's dusty and clearly hasn't been used in a while, but there are still pictures taped up on the walls. They are of Luke, Thalia, and Annabeth on their various adventures together. Annabeth comes into the cabin and fills Jason in on the trio's history, although she doesn't tell Jason what happened to Luke. She also reiterates that she can't go with the new team on their quest, as she needs to track down Percy. Jason suspects that Annabeth knows who he is, but her best guess is that he's just a kid who managed to survive on his own without ever making it to Camp Half-Blood. It's apparently rare, but it does happen. She doesn't have any answers about the tattoos on his arms, however. Jason also tells Annabeth about her his dream, which freaks her out, but she won't say why, telling Jason that the harder people try to subvert prophecies, the worse things tend to get. Jason decides instead to track down the storm spirits who attacked him, and Annabeth suggests hitting up Boreas the North Wind, a wind god. He apparently lives in the quote-unquote oldest northern settlement on the continent, Quebec. Jason then asks a bit more about Thalia, and Annabeth mentions that her surname was Grace. Jason thinks back to Looper calling him her saving grace and realises who he must be. Thalia is his sister. Before Annabeth can process that, Nyssa from the Hephaestus cabin bursts in and tells him that the bronze dragon is attacking the camp. Chapter 15. Piper. Piper wakes up after her first night in Aphrodite cabin and finds that her glow up hasn't gone away yet and will probably take at least a week to piss off. She experiences Drew's strict regime over the cabin, with her bullying everyone else into line and making sure nobody is nice to Piper. Piper is shocked that nobody fights back against this treatment, but Mitchell, a kid who has been pushed into picking up the cabin's trash, explains that she's the counsellor and they have to do as she says. Not to mention that she has a rare Aphrodite power called Charm Speaking, which allows her to control other people. Piper observes that the campers' beds are mostly identical, with the big difference being which hunky celebrity crushes people have posters of. Mortifyingly, Piper notices one of the posters is of her dad in the hit movie King of Sparta, a poster which has gotten her bullied several times before when it's come out that she's related to its subject. She tries to distract herself with thoughts of wanting to smooch Jason when Mitchell appears again, explaining that he's on garbage duty because Drew overheard him saying Piper might not be so bad. Another Aphrodite girl, Lacey, who a few years from now will go on to be mates with Sadie Kane, covertly hands Piper some supplies and some replacement clothes for her impractical sleeveless dress, saying the other kids had a whip around to get all of it because they don't all agree with Drew. Drew then reappears and talks about how Silena Beauregard was a spy for Kronos and implies that she believes the same may be true of Piper. She also shit-talks Silena and calls her a traitor, one of the only things that causes the other Aphrodite kids to really object to what she's doing. Drew says that she's a better cabin leader anyway, because she's bringing the cabin back to what it's all about, pairing up cute campers and then ruining their relationships in the funniest way possible. While Drew continues to drone on, Piper snaps and decides to play the famous dad card to fuck with her, which immediately backfires when the whole cabin starts freaking out about how cool that is. One of the other kids also asks Piper if she's had her rite of passage yet, a practice where Aphrodite kids will so get someone to fall madly in love with them so they can dump them, thus proving their loyalty to Aphrodite. Piper, reasonably, thinks this is fucking horrible, and Drew crows that Silena felt the same way, and that her unflinching love for Beckendorf was what caused her to be cursed and killed. As Piper leaves to set off on the quest, she encourages all her new demi-siblings to not let Drew treat them so badly because there has to be more to Aphrodite Cabin than just bullying and heartbreaking. Chapter 16. Piper. Leo rocks up on his new dragon, and everyone naturally freaks out, because, yeah, 
He says that this is the transport for the quest and that he successfully tamed it, although he leaves out the part about being fireproof. Jason agrees that it's the best way to travel, although he's taken aback by the name Festus, which means happy in Latin, as he's none too keen to be riding around on Happy the Magic Dragon. Nonetheless, he and Piper climb on with Leo and set off. While on the dragon, Piper sees Jason looking at a picture of Thalia, and Rick sows the seeds of a tedious misunderstanding where Piper thinks that Jason is Thalia's girlfriend or something. Uh, so, what did you think of these chapters? Uh, you know, I... I don't know. I'm not sure. This is, These are not my favorites so far. Interesting. I think specifically because of all the Aphrodite cabin stuff and Drew just still being such an, like a badly written character to me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like not my favorite doesn't mean I don't think they're good or that I didn't enjoy reading them. Uh, these are still pretty good to me. I'm enjoying everything going on with Jason and Piper's conflict is still interesting to me as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I can I can see that. I really like these chapters just because like when I was going back through through them for the summaries, I just like... You realize how much detail is packed into these things and how a lot of what's going on is like doing a lot of work to establish the characters and what's going on. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I think that is true. Can you like go into one of those instances that you found? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the big one I would say is just um, uh, Jason finding Thalia's bed and having a talk with Annabeth about all the, uh, all the stuff about that. Uh, it, it kind of it does a lot for just like you know setting up that later twist um it's it also plays into what i really like about the way that um the titan war stuff was being talked about earlier where it's just like the events of percy jackson and the Limplins like naturally ripple into the events of this story without necessarily being a part of them like it's it's hitting just the right level of interconnectivity for a spin-off Exactly. Like the fact that this is a like like the fact is that you you could just like read this, you could pick this up mm-hmm. and you would basically understand everything that's important. Absolutely. It's like reading a comic book series. Even if you start at like issue 77 or whatever, like you'll basically gather everything you need to know to enjoy it. And if you want to go back and read the rest, uh, get more context than you can. This is not what I've heard about comic books. I think it's true depending on how the good the comic is. It's <laughs> a fair point. But yeah, I also like that, like, this scene being put here, and it doesn't even do it, like, out loud, which I thought was quite impressive that it leaves it up to the reader, is that it's very clearly being like, yeah, no, this is why Annabeth is not going with the main team. Uh-huh. Like, here are the people that she's lost before, and she very clearly does not want that to happen again with Percy. Actually, you know, thinking about this, I think this shows a lot of character growth for Annabeth. Mm-hmm. Because the fact that this is so, like, she is so deeply emotionally invested in this, right? Like, she needs the results of this quest to go well. Yeah. But she's not inserting herself into that. She's not saying that, like, she has to be the one to change or cause these events. And I think that's, like, really different than how she would have been at the start of, the, like, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Yeah, definitely. Like, that... that- pride which was always her fatal flaw would have pushed her to get involved even if it wasn't really her business yeah it's all these little things that show that characters aren't being reset like the details are still there the world is still just as like the same amount of lived in as it was before Mm -hmm. i 
yeah, I, I'm I actually as I'm talking to you, I'm kind of growing to shine on these chapters. Like <laughs> my my shine for these chapters is growing for sure. Yeah, like I said, it's it's one of those things where you go back through them and you kind of appreciate them more and more. The twist, the twist with Jason surprised me a weird amount. My my immediate reaction was fuck off bullshit. <laughs> that's no way that's true. Uh huh. I I've thought about it a bit more. It is a lot more feasible than I thought it was. Which, what, what what was your temperature on it? Well, I've read these books before, but I forgot about it. Is, <laughs> why, is why I find it so embarrassing. <laughs> And, and the second factor is that I know a lot of people call him Jason Grace. <laughs> so, you know, like, I, I just didn't connect it. I forgot. I, I just like, I don't think of Thalia's last name. Well, yeah, I mean, she does make a point of not using it. Which is something that I didn't really like think about much during the main series. Like, I think it was brought up maybe once and then just kind of like treated as like, like matter of fact mm-hmm. but like i think that is like an, an interesting detail about her character i'm really excited i hope she comes back in this book i feel like she has to right you can't you can't introduce the twist of like this is thalia's brother and then not bring thalia back especially if we're trying to make these somewhat standalone because if you're just reading these ones then the stakes for that twist are entirely in a separate series that's true like this could this could build up to something that would only fruit in like the next couple books. And I think that's usually something that Rick Riordan is pretty good about not doing though. Mm-hmm. Like examples I can think of are like the Hera and Annabeth stuff. I think there was a little bit in like the Kane Chronicles, like towards the end of the Percy Jackson, the Olympian series, more of those started to pop up, but by and large, yeah. uh, usually these are pretty self-contained stories other than like the main meta plot, I guess. Uh, and I, you definitely want to bring her in if it, well, for two reasons. One is because, like you mentioned, maybe Piper thinks I like I didn't exactly get this vibe, but thinking back on it and kind of see it because there's interesting stuff going on with Piper and Jason. Maybe she thinks that like Jason is fawning after the picture of this girl. I think I think the exact line Piper has is, "Was that his real girlfriend?" Okay, yes. I uh, my my eyes glazed over that, I guess, because I just didn't want to read it. Oh yeah, no. But, I, I'm not enthusiastic about that. But also because like the, Jason gets like a feeling. He's like, "Oh, we should never meet" or something like that. Like mm-hmm. there's like a rumbling when he sees her picture. And that that makes me want to see them meet even more. Yeah, definitely. Can you I what are your thoughts on like basically the the continuance of the Piper and uh, Jason relationship? I can't say I'm particularly invested in it at this point just because like Jason doesn't seem to be particularly invested in it. Like he seems to like Piper just fine. Yeah. But I don't I don't get the sense that he is like chomping at the bit to be in a relationship with her. Yeah, and that's the thing is that like I kind of feel like he will grow into feeling like that mm-hmm. because or like grow is a weird word to use for that. I don't know if it's like personal growth to develop feelings for someone, but like I mean, I guess on a sense it is, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like right now what I the main thing that interests me about his perspective on Piper 
is that he is like being very considerate of her in a lot of ways, but yeah. also in a lot of ways that are very stupid. <laughs> like he's like, oh, everyone else has been fawning over her since she did her her transformation sequence. I shouldn't hug her. The she'll think I'm just like, bro. She like has an entire memory of you two dating. You should hug her. I mean, I guess but the the other side of that coin is like that would be very awkward for him. To think about, like, oh, she has all these memories of me that I don't. (laughs) It would be, but he also doesn't seem opposed to it. He largely just seems to be, like, thinking about it for her sake. Mm -hmm. Uh, And honestly, that makes sense because he's thinking of a lot of things from, like, that external point of view right now because he still doesn't know who he is. Oh, shit. Speaking of um, uh, him knowing who he is, uh, I I find there's actually some official artwork of some of the photographs on uh, Thalia's wall. Okay. It's the one of um, uh, Annabeth and Luke in front of the alley. Oh, go go fuck yourself. <laughs> I, Jane has sent me a fucking, like, oh, the two soy jacks pointing me, where they're pointing behind themselves, and they're pointing at an alley, and one of them is drawn to look like Annabeth, and one of them is drawn to look like Luke. I, I hate you so much. Put this on the Twitter before I post this episode. Go fuck yourself. Eat shit. All right, let's continue. I just want to point out that the actual description is that Luke was pointing into the alley. Yeah. That's what's about the picture. (laughs) Well, this is interesting because it says, like, Luke was pointing into the alley as though he was, like, wanting to say, let's go kill someone in that alley. (laughs) Like, was Luke incredibly obviously evil to everyone except for Percy and Annabeth? It said, let's go kill a monster in the alley, right? Not a person. That's true, but something about it was like, it felt evil to me. I mean, he's he was always a little bit dark-sided. Uh-huh. Now, there actually is a, a serious thing that we do learn about Jason's past here, and not just the meme. <laughs> His dream sequence, where he... Oh, yeah. He kind of learns that, like, maybe he was raised by wolves? Isn't that that TV show that Ridley Scott's doing? I don't know your joke. It's, it's it's a TV show called Raised by Wolves. I see. I understand. Uh, no, this is actually about Jason Grace uh, from the Heroes of Olympus series. I see. I understand now. Uh, yeah, so he has a dream, as all good chapters start with, mm-hmm. uh, uh, of... Actually, the, the Piper ones don't start with a dream, which is, I think, the first for this, maybe? I think you might be right. <laughs> He basically is like, he meets a giant wolf in the woods. I, I'm i not entirely sure what to make of this other than, like, pretty cool. I am fucking absolutely 100% certain that is the wolf from the uh, story of Romulus and Remus. <laughs> Why do, Can you explain that story to the listeners in case they don't know it? Yeah, I, I mean, now you've caught me off guard because I don't know much about it, but it's basically... Um, Romulus and Remus were the two brothers who founded Rome, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, and they were uh, orphaned as kids and were raised by a she-wolf. Uh, and then they founded a city on seven hills, and that was Rome. Don't know why it wasn't called Remus. I, I think maybe Remus died or something. I might be getting them confused with Cain and Abel, though. So you're saying that like, this she-wolf continued on and raised Jason as well? Yes interesting but that that was also something that i thought when i was still on my thing about like oh jason is from ancient rome and he's a fucking like winter soldier sleeper agent 
Uh-huh. Are, are you still on that? I'm curious. Uh, I mean, I'm on that in the sense that I think it's a cooler reveal than he's Tali's brother. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, it, it feels like, because he goes, oh, I felt something was true about me being Thali's brother. So I think that that is what we're going with from here on. Right, right. Uh, yeah, there are some interesting details revealed here. Like, the specifically, there's a part talking about, like, this is where children get claimed, and it's like this fucked up old house. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sure what to make of that. Yeah, no, I've, I've no idea what any of this could be. I do think it's very funny that um, uh, Rick is a little bit on the, like, captive wolf study bullshit. Uh-huh. Where he's like, um, where Jason is, like, having a weird little standoff with the wolves. And he's <laughs> saying, oh, the wolves, their, their way is only conquering. If I show any weakness, they'll rip me apart. I'm like, bro, they're just big dogs. True, like, they're, they're dangerous, but, like, they, also... Don't, don't pet them, but, like... They, they're not on the Sigma male grind set that you seem to think they are. And also, if like one of them is your mom or whatever, you can probably pet her. Yeah, yeah, I'd say you can get away with that. Yeah, like I don't know, I, he's a little bit of a coward for that. But I think overall, this is a dream sequence. I didn't mind too much. You know, you know what it was. It was not just a dream sequence that was doing like Rick refuses to write from multi-character perspective, so we have to put Percy here. Uh-huh. It was actually like doing some interesting foreshadowing and setup stuff. Which is yeah, all you can really true. ask for from a dream sequence. Definitely. Uh a couple of things. Uh I kind of feel like this is the chapter where we start forming like the different way that the kids are gonna interact with their parents for the series. Okay. Where it's gonna because Percy Jackson and the Olympians, it was very much about like dealing with parents being distant. Whereas in this series it feels much more about like Stepping out from the shadow of your parents. Yeah. Because when Jason's going on about, like, you know, he's he is only respected because he's the son of Zeus. You know, Piper is given that blessing by Aphrodite that means that she's living in her shadow. Uh, Leo reduced his mother to a burn shadow. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Yeah, but that, this is a... <laughs> not a bad theory to be honest i think that could be exploring that kind of theme like i don't think this is entirely out of the purview but i'd be also like is that is that an escalation of themes or is this like insofar as like is this where we'd want to go from percy jackson or like do you think it could be more interesting with regards to like something else could be chosen i guess i i'd only really thought about it from the sense of like it's just it's that same idea of, like, struggling with a fraught relationship with your parents just being explored from a different perspective. Because that's kind of what we were talking about with um, Piper and her dad last week. That's true. Uh, like, it's, it seems to be a much more complex kind of, um, like, trouble that they're having. Yeah, that's really true. Although Piper's, Piper saying that she was mugged by her own mum is a very funny line. Oh, incredibly. I, I have so much to say about the Piper chapters. Uh, but what was your second thing? Oh yeah, uh, I, I kind of wanted to talk about um, Annabeth's stipulation for their quest. Okay. Uh, where she says uh, that you need to go to the first settlement in America. The first place where people founded a settlement. Quebec. Is that what she said? Yep. Wait, 
Is that accurate? I I wouldn't have thought so. I because I know that like a lot of like early colonial history involves Quebec, um, but so it's also pe- people lived here before the Canadians. Yeah, well, yes, this is very true. I guess if we're talking about like settlers type settlements, uh-huh. uh, then well, this is saying the oldest northern settlement, which is I think means like. I don't really know how to define that. The oldest northern settlement, where it's North America, it's all north. <laughs> I'm just, I, it seems like a very funny, it's either a very funny oversight for Rick while he's also writing a Cherokee character to be like, this was the first settlement on the continental US, or, well, North America, whatever. Or it's going to be a case of like, Piper talks about that and says, hey, that's a bit fucking weird. And it kind of gets into, like, the Greek gods being used as symbols of, like, kind of a racist society. Which would be really interesting. And I will eat my hat if that's what happens. No, that's not what's going to happen at all. (laughs) Uh, This is... is, I don't want to believe. At the very least, like, this is saying, like, oh, the settlers. Like, the settlement. You know, this is is talking not so... Not, like, directly about colonization. uh, And, and, like colonial violence or whatever mm-hmm. um but i think that is what it is implicitly referring to uh all, but also yes people live there already before this happened and that is i you know oh the heart the heart of the world the heart of the west that only moves with with you know where the most important places it's it's like okay it's, I don't know, there's something, this is very fucked up also. It's, this brings back all the worst things about the series in a way. Like, in the undertones a of it. A little bit, yeah. But yeah, maybe there was room to do something interesting with that. I'm really hoping that something interesting is done with that. Uh, for sure. Uh, I, and it's just a little bit weird that we're like, the heart of the West also goes into Canada, by the way. But I guess you... You need to do that like little soft retcon to make sure that there are places that the characters can go in your road trip series. Yeah, that is true. Like, I guess if it's just like the architecture and shit, then there's probably just as much Greek stuff over there as there is here. True. Yeah, I I don't have a lot more to say about Jason. I think that's I think these were good chapters. I I kind of want to jump over to Drew. Sorry, to Piper. Mm-hmm. Because of my slip up, I guess we can start with Drew. Like, sure. so we learn that she is like the basically like the boot camp leader of camp of mm. the, of this cabin, and she's she. I actually this was like a weirdly effective way of making me hate her, uh, because I love Silena. She was one. She was the best. Yeah. And drew's whole thing is that she's like oh fuck silena and that makes me want to like go like like chimpanzee mode yeah no i i was thinking this as well as like up until now i've been completely neutral on drew because i don't care about like the generic popular girl bullshit she's doing but uh-huh. like yeah making her shit on the memory of a beloved character from the series that's a good way to make the audience hate her yeah, but I guess the question is, like, do we need to hate her more? Because I feel like we're already at neutral to negative. Uh, I, I, I think that maybe we do need to go harder on, on Drew, just because, like, I feel like she's very much being used as a stand-in for Aphrodite. 
Okay, that's actually interesting. Can you say more about that? Yeah, uh, she basically has the exact same traits that we Aphrodite has had when she's shown up. Like, when Aphrodite appears in person in the books, it is to be like, oh, I'm gonna uh, matchmake some people and then fuck everything up because I think it's funny. And Drew's yeah. like, entire thing is making Aphrodite the cabin that does that thing. And I think that's the ways that she's very similar to Aphrodite is also expressed through, like, she's the one with charm speak. She's the one with the powerful Aphrodite ability because she's very much like her. So I think she's kind of a useful character to have around and to be kind of an asshole, just as, like, someone to compare Piper to as someone who really, really hates their godly parent. That makes sense to me. I I think that's a really good point because for all intents and purposes, like Drew is kind of right. Like this this is the like the Aphrodite ethos. If yeah. they're trying to just be like who we know Aphrodite to be, that's that that that's it. She's right. Like this is this is who <laughs> Aphrodite is. Uh and so I don't like it feels like for anything to change here, we also need to confront Aphrodite somehow. Which, you know, we're, we're always cheering on this show for, like, the kids just killing their godly parents. Uh-huh. And, like, <laughs> I'm not saying kill Aphrodite because I think she still is technically our patron goddess. Yeah, I think we have to, like, delete the podcast if that happens. Yeah. Uh, sorry to all our listeners. Uh, sorry to anybody we've uh, given obligations to. Uh, <laughs> we will be taking your Patreon money continuously, but there will be no more episodes and you can't access any past episodes. It's true. Yeah, no, I think that is a really good point. Uh, and I'm curious to see, like, what other vision Piper would maybe have for this cabin because it feels like she can't, like, it feels like part of this is going to be her developing one. Yeah, definitely. She's gotten to the point where she's like, fuck everything that Drew is doing, but she hasn't come up with an alternative yet. And it's, I feel like there are a lot of things being, like, teed up here in really obvious ways Mm -hmm. uh i would say like the quest thing specifically that we learn that to like become the new camp counselor you need to oh yeah you need to like challenge your own camp counselor and like you can only do that if you've been there longer or had more quests and then drew immediately is like i've never been on a quest you're going on a quest how icky uh so this feels like something that is like setting up for possible future conflict very obvious i definitely twigged that when i was reading it uh (laughs) you know jade i i (laughs) sometimes i like notice things like that and i'm like I shouldn't say that because Jane maybe didn't notice it and it'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> if, if Even if, like, whether or not this does happen, like, either I won't say it, Jane didn't notice and nothing happens, so uh, it might as well have never even been in the book, or I don't mention it, you did notice, and we get to talk about it anyway. I feel like you should talk about the things you notice. I suppose so. That's, I don't know. That's, that's what the podcast is. <laughs> You know, that's fair. Um, <laughs> the other softball thing is... Fuck, there was one more thing. I forget what it was. Never mind. We meet Lacey here for the first time. We do. We do. Beloved character who was in like one scene in Kane Chronicles. Uh-huh. It's it's so funny because I was actually like kind of hotly anticipating her arrival. Oh? 
just in so far as like, ooh, where's this character? Unfortunately, I what I'm beginning to suspect is that the cameos were in King Chronicles were like Rick picked out the like bitest bit players that he could to make sure it didn't affect any of like main plots. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I have a feeling that's basically true. Speaking of um, King Chronicles. Uh-huh. It did just occur to me while I was reading these that um, Towerette basically believed that Bast was charm-speaking Bez the whole time. Yeah, basically. And I mean... Oh, sorry, my glasses hit my microphone. One second. Yeah, I mean, basically. And also, I guess that means that, like, one of the Aphrodite kids' powers is to, like, ooh, they if they're, they're just using... I mean, not all of them, but, like, some of them... It's like, ooh, they are evil and manipulating people with their words, and this is, they're seducing, I don't know, like, it's, a. am not sure, I feel like there are some weird implications there that I just can't think of. There, there are weird implications, but also, Piper can do the same thing and doesn't do that. This is true. So, uh, I, again, I actually, I'm, I'm hoping that, I'm hoping for nuance. I do actually want to question the idea that Drew is, like, a huge tyrant, though. Uh-huh. Because, like, she's mean. She's mean to everyone. But also, like, the meanest thing we've seen her do is, like, make a guy pick up trash. And, like, you know, she was kind of mean to Piper, too. But, like, I don't know. Like, Piper goes into detail about how clean the cabin is already. There's probably not a lot for that guy to pick up. Yeah, he's probably got it pretty easy, actually. On the other hand, he does. He's like the the person who says, "Hey, shut the fuck up!" When uh, Drew starts shit talking the person who died like a year ago. Uh huh. <laughs> Which uh, I guess he's also the guy who was like, "Hey, this new girl's not so bad." So I guess this is like the voice of reason, Aphrodite boy. <laughs> the one who uses facts and logic. Uh huh. And not charm speak. Speaking of just like charm speak in general. I guess, like, all of our new main characters have, like, cool new power that <clears throat> has previously never been in the series. I guess so, yeah. Like, we have Leo with his fire and vulnerability, mm-hmm. uh, Piper with her charm speak, and Jason with sword? He can fly. Oh, he can fly. Right. <laughs> I, I forgot about this. Uh, I, I guess I took that as, like, any child of Zeus could do this. I, I mean, we never see Thalia doing it. That's fair. I guess, to me, it just read as, like, the way that, like, oh, of course Percy can breathe underwater. It's like, oh, of mm-hmm. course a child of Zeus can fly. But you're right that it hasn't shown up before, so it is a new power. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just, I was kind of wondering if maybe that's something to do with, like, why these kids weren't, like, in a camp or claimed up until now. Mm-hmm. If there's, like, I don't know, they were trying to get kicked under the rug by the gods because of something to do with their powers or something like that. Because they're all genetic freaks and they're not normal. You've been reading a lot of X-Men lately, haven't you? That's a that's a line from a that's that's a line from a famous from a wrestler. <laughs> uh this is this is a this is a fuck, what's his name? This is like a Scott Steinman quote. I think the only wrestler I know is Kenny Omega, and that's because he did the Sans Undertale entrance a while ago. Well, listen, you've never heard the... Wait, Scott Steiner, I'm sorry. I think, I'm pretty sure it's Scott Steiner. He has the... He's like, oh, you've got a 20% chance of... And the 50%, you know, that kind of... That, that thing, you've heard that before. 
Scott Steiner, the dude with the sword who killed that other dude in that movie? No, actually, I think you're thinking of of uh, Piper's dad. That that line is so fucking funny to me. <laughs> Partly because just it's a dumb thing to say, and also because I worry that that's what we sound like when we talk about these books. Like I think it is right because it's like <laughs> oh you know he he used lightning and that was really cool because he had his he had a lance and a sword and so I thought it was really cool because like oh the, the the oh you know that dude he he is like the god of wine like this is what we sound like and then we talk about some shit from Kane Chronicles which like statistically I bet a good chunk of our listeners will skip uh huh uh huh <laughs> yeah you know, you have to listen I'm not originally i was like oh we can make each series so like independent of the other ones no you have to listen to the king chronicles <laughs> it's important it's just as we're, we're we're better than ever we're on our game they're also quite bad and it's extremely funny to rag on them exactly <laughs> uh drew describes clovis as like the most horrible nightmare that nobody at the camp would ever want to date Wait, this also made me so fucking mad. She, she is coming for our boy Clovis, and I will not stand for it. She's transphobic now, too. <laughs> she's transphobic. She's also homophobic, because she doesn't acknowledge... Because um, she's like, oh yeah, Silena loved Beckendorf to the end, unflinchingly. And like, you fucking blind woman. Yeah, like... Did you see any of the stuff that was going on with Clarice? Yeah, she was not, she did not have eyes for one person. Silena was pretty, like, she had, she had two hands. And both of them were with Clarice, because Beckendorf was dead. <laughs> God. Hey, speaking of Aphrodite cabin powers. Uh-huh. I think Jason has one. What's that? Well, when he's talking to Annabeth, he mentions like, oh, I I saw your face go all fucked up when you realized what was actually going on. Uh, And I just find it extremely funny that he noticed that after in the previous chapters, like, attention was drawn to like, nobody else would be able to pick this up, but Piper was great at reading faces. So Uh he knew what was happening. And apparently Jason just also is great at reading faces and realized what was happening. I mean, my, like, the scene of that in my head was was Annabeth, like, literally, like, doing a big frown. Ah, and, like, right. like, being, like, her face very visibly changing. Whereas when I think of the Piper part, I imagine them, like, very lightly, like, making, like, micro-expressions in a way that only they would understand, kind of. Mm-hmm. And Piper just being able to, like, read that like it's fucking out loud speech. See, I, I have a different theory. What was that? And that is that um, you also get um, autism packaged in with the ADHD when you're a demigod. This is uh, true. And uh, Piper and Jason are king and queen shit because they just don't happen to not have the face blindness that everyone else at the camp has. <laughs> that would make a lot of sense to me, actually. <laughs> God. Yeah. You know, I agree. But... I don't agree with the idea that um, women should be forced into servitude. Um, Is that put forward by these chapters? You know, I can say anything about Rick Ryden that I want. (laughs) 
I need to I need to lodge a formal protest that you can say that about Rick Ryden, but you said that I wasn't allowed to make a joke about his balls on Twitter because we're at the like the highest level of Rick could actually see this that we've ever been at. It's okay if he hears us say it. <laughs> we I just can't post it. We can that. say stuff about him that he can't name search is the important part. Exactly. Rick Riordan will never listen to this podcast. <laughs> like, I was worried about that at one point, and you, I think you basically assuaged me. He'll never do it. I realist, realistically, even if we hit, like, the scenario where, like, Rick Riordan was coming on, even his PR people who are combing through all our bullshit are not going to listen to a 60-hole episode. They'll listen to, like, the first five no, and in, the, in those first five, we will have already said the Chad bus driver versus the Virgin <laughs> bus driver, or whatever the fuck. Uh, so they'll have already like put us in the never column. <laughs> I actually, I, I kind of just want to keep talking about this scene in the Aphrodite cabin, though. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we think of Piper name dropping her dad here? Uh, I mean, I think it, it is like a good moment to show like how impulsive Piper can be because I don't know if we've gotten a lot of that shown to us so far, but it is something that we know about from like you know she stole a car, and I think this this shows us a bit of the flavor of like this is the kind of person who would do that. Yeah, because she hates like people knowing she has a famous dad, but also if in this very moment and not thinking about how it'll affect her in the future. It'll, like, make things better for a few seconds, or will, like, make her feel like she won the conflict over Drew. Mm-hmm. She'll do it, yeah. Yeah, so I, that's that's a good moment. I The description of the poster specifically mentions that the font is quote-unquote lurid. A lurid font? What's the most lurid font? Um, Tempest Sands ITC. I can't disagree with that. It's the font that our logo is done in. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that one of us knows that. <laughs> Back when I put stuff on our YouTube channel, I needed to know that so I could make the thumbnails. I see now. I see. Our, I actually I have a different quibble about this poster. Is that this sentence doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, okay. Those dark, sad eyes facing the camera as if to say, I will kill your men and steal your woman. Ha ha. God. <laughs> like, is that what dark, sad eyes say? It's the only way you can feel better. Some people will kill your men and steal your women to cope. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, honestly, this is not a po- like. This is a poster that I could see hanging up in someone's dorm room, like, or mm-hmm. you know, like it feels like pretty realistic, I guess. And now we get a better scope of like just how famous her dad is. Yeah, definitely. There's still, like, these ragged old posters on, like, after the movie's come out. It also is one of those moments where it's like, okay, she's got a famous dad, but they did have, like, a relationship genuinely. Like, because, like, to imagine them just, like, seeing the poster and, like, having a running joke about it for a while, that's Mm -hmm. pretty good. Yeah. Speaking of parental stuff, um, I'm going to lay my cards on the table here. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh-huh. say what I think the text is saying to me. Okay. Aphrodite has a breeding kink. I so I need you <laughs> I need I need some I need many things from you. Right now, please 
either never say anything again or explain yourself. <laughs> Our Piper specifically says while they're in the cabin, she didn't want to think about how there were so many siblings that looked to be about her age. Oh which God! Which I think is a sure and certain sign that that means that Aphrodite is pumping these kids out back to back. You know that makes a horrifying amount of sense, and I, I, I guess so. I guess I have to say right here, right now on this podcast, that Aphrodite has a breeding kink. Uh, and if Rick Ryden would like to come on the show and refute this claim, uh, he's more then he welcome. can. Uh, <laughs> no, like this is the second thing. I remember that this is the second thing I want that I want to talk about that they are teeing up. Because I think when they, like, explicitly mention, like, oh, this is our ritual we have where one of us will break, like, break the heart of someone Mm -hmm. and, like, will, you know, like, and then, or, like, will make someone fall in love with them and then dump them. Yeah. That is, that this feels like a very obvious teeing up that something like this will happen in the future. Oh, you think she's going to, like get with Jason and then be like put in a horrible position where she's peer pressure into dumping him or something. This is exactly what I think will happen. Mm-hmm. God, yeah, no, I can see it. Uh, I think that might be it for me on these chapters. Do you have anything else before we wrap up? Oh, uh, I actually wanted to mention something kind of cool that I noticed about that. Oh, what's that? Uh, is that as much as we're complaining about this kind of doing the same time limit quest formula that the other books have had, uh-huh. Uh, in the background, we are getting just, like, a fun reversal of a trope from the earlier books. Which is that, like, you know, the usual Percy Jackson the Olympians formula for the first three books was person close to Percy gets kidnapped, Percy goes on a time-limited quest to save them. And I just, I think it's nice that Annabeth is getting to pay Percy back for Titan's curse by, like, going on her own quest to save him now. Yeah, actually, I, I agree with that. Because, yeah, Annabeth is going off and doing her own shit right now. Yeah. And that's actually interesting that we're not really getting to see that in the foreground. Uh, And that is a good flip. Percy deserves to be the one, like, damsel damsel in distress at least once. Dude needs a break. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate a a good inversion. Yeah, I'm ho- I'm hoping that like Annabeth like crosses paths with the kids while they're like on their quest or something. Uh huh. Do you think that this will book will end and we found fa- we found Percy? Oh, uh, I don't know because I mean he is like the title character, so it would be kind of weird to not resolve it by the end. Is he the title character anymore, or is it or is the series called the Heroes of Olympus? The the I mean the title character of this book, the Lost Hero. That is true. I'm assuming Unless that that's Percy. It's someone else. It could be. It could be a, a, a tricksy prophecy. You ever think how whack it is that events in the Percy Jackson universe are entirely predetermined and cannot be changed? Yeah. I don't know. It just occurred to me while I was reading all the prophecy stuff that, like, oh yeah, no, everything has already happened. The prophecies ne- have never been wrong, have they? Mm hmm. Yeah, there's no point where, like, they use the power of friendship to defy fate and change things. That is interesting to me and kind of like, I don't know, I could read too deep into that and say that like, that's kind of like an idealistic perspective on like, oh, the world will naturally will naturally lean towards getting better. And like, 
you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. um like even if bad things happen it'll be the the best thing will eventually happen and because our hearts and minds are set on it and everything will become become good and we don't need to have class struggle <laughs> but i i will not go that deep on it perhaps piper should unionize her um her cabin it kind of feels like that's where she's going i fucking hope she does <laughs> uh I think that's going to be it for us today, though. I think so. The only class struggle we're allowed on this podcast is um, someone in the Moonshot Discord server pointing out that you slipped the word classpect past me in, like, episode six. Uh-huh. God fucking damn it. And speaking of Moonshot, uh, before we, like, close up, we want to say thank you again to Moonshot for accepting us into your wonderful network. Yeah. Uh, you And I we also want to talk about very quickly about the moon landing stream the moon landing stream it is a three-day uh, stream event raising money for trans lifeline the 27th the 28th and the 29th it'll feature a lot of things there'll be frog for action races uh there'll be lots of games there'll be some ttrpgs maybe some trivia stuff happening a lot, lots of cool events happening and it's for a really good cause that's twitch.tv slash moonshot network uh, and you can look at the, the Moonshot Podcast Network at Moonshot Pods for more information. Uh, and if you'd like to reach us, you can check us out on Twitter.com slash unwisegirls. There you can find all of our links, including to our own personal Twitters, to our um, uh, Discord server, and our Patreon, patreon.com slash unwisegirls. Uh, if you would like to support us, you can, uh, other than leaving a five-star rating interview, you can go there and leave us one dollar a month for a dollar a month you can uh get the discord role of camp counselor three dollars a month where you'll get the uh discord role of friend of bacchus and also all of our bonus content uh yeah last last week we uh fuck we didn't publish a bonus episode last week uh on our last bonus episode i think we just continued to yell about batman because we hadn't read any homestuck that week but usually we'll have read a bit of Homestuck and we'll talk about that. Uh-huh. And for $5 a month, you get the Discord role of Venus's Chosen, as well as all of your bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of episodes. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Oh, music. And our intro and outro is is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pwn. You can find that on OC Remix. Yeah. And, as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Bye.